Anna Leong Brophy, are you there, babe? Babe, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone from north of London tuned out. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Why did I I do that to you? Why did I do that to me? (laughs) Why did I do that to you? Why did I lead you into it? Are you there, Emily? I feel like you are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've got me into a right mess. Straight <laughs> off the bat. Such a lovely, neat start to an episode. And that's what I like about us. Welcome to Still Legit, the podcast where Anna Leon Brophy and Emily Lloyd Saney, yes, that's right. I only use our full names. Hold up films, books, TV programs, ideas, mentalities from our past and ask whether they are still legit today. And today, we're kind of doing our first book. Well, yeah, in a way we are. Because even though we watched the film of Bridget Jones' Diary, I definitely have some stuff to say about the books. Oh, well, I've got some stuff to pretend that I remember from the book. So I really, really read them. If you want to know any more about Anna's reading habits, you need to listen to a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> what, what was your Reader's Digest. It, it explains a lot about you and your need to read. I have got a need to read, yeah. I sort of worry about myself now when I look back. Like, oh, just... oh no, what have I... Le- I keep leading you into horrible places. It's like, well, I was about to say, oh yeah, I used to pretend I was asleep and then read until the morning and then pretend to be woken That's what John up used then, to do. And then go to school and I'm like... And then fall asleep at school. And- oh my God, I'm essentially dating you. Yeah, you are. Can't wait for us to have this child together. I can't either. So <laughs> today is Bridget Jones's diary, but I want to just give a shout out to some people who have interacted over the last couple of weeks with us that have come up with some suggestions that I need them to know are definitely on the list. Oh yeah, there's there's been some real bangers, yeah. When we put our big episode out, we got a message on Instagram saying we need to address the very problematic adult kissing a child scene that there is in blank check. Yeah, definitely want to do blank check. But I'm also (laughs) aware that the podcast is slowly turning into adults kissing children podcast. So I replied saying that is such a good call. However, there is a bit of a theme but it is on the list. We'll just have to, like, we just have to step back from adults kissing children for a few weeks. Please don't hate us. <laughs> uh, someone's obviously just watched the Short Circuit episode and said, I was today years old when I found out that the guy from Short Circuit was actually a white guy in blackface, brown face, but you know, yeah, absolutely. Oh God. I was today years old just needs a shout out of its own because I love it. And I want to use it in a sentence. We also got an amazing list. We got like a full (gasps) list. Oh, yeah. Through from Scotty. And some of those, Scotty, you'll be pleased to know, were already on the list. Ace Ventura is so on the list. It's kind of almost like I'm saving it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saving it. (laughs) Just don't want to spaff it too soon. Yeah, but there's some other great, some other great suggestions. So if any of these are triggering anything for you just drop us a line and let us know some of your thoughts because we'll we'll line them up in accordance to preference and feel free to fire suggestions because otherwise we spend half an hour before we record (laughs) trying to figure out what we're gonna do we're very organized we're very very organized organized. so who who should do the synopsis today em um you (laughs) because i can't criticize you if i do it and i've realized that i don't do it (laughs) much snappier that's true gotta leave you some room to mug me off yeah <laughs> i think it's fair to say that it's loosely based on pride and prejudice so we've got a single woman in her 30s who is really trying her best to not go down the same old routes with the same old kind of guy she immediately goes down the same route with the same <laughs> kind of guy <laughs> with hugh Grant's character daniel who's an absolute fuckwit, which I think, I think either the book or the film coined that. Yeah, fuckwit. That phrase. Meanwhile, um, her meddling parents keep trying to push her towards this sort of stuffy uh, lawyer. And surprise, he turns out (laughs) to be the one for her because he loves her just the way she is. But um, there's lots of ups and downs in between, like... Her mum leaves her dad. She has to deal with breakups and things like that. So yeah, it's kind of quite a comprehensive woman in her 30s trying to get her shit together. Yeah, 
the film of Singledom. Yeah, in the 90s. In the, Singledom in the 90s, <laughs> which is, yes, quite important. Anna, that was a fucking beautiful work. So b- before we dive in to the world of Bridget Jones, and it is the first film we looked at, just to confirm, should we do a check-in? Mm, let's do a check-in. You're right. How are you? I tell you what, mate, I have better than 2020 vision now because I got laser eye surgery. Context this girl has been waiting for this surgery for so, so long. Yeah. And we've had to keep rescheduling it because Egg got busy before lockdown. Yeah. You've had, how many times did you have to reschedule it? Three times, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing you need to psych yourself up for as well. So, a little bit. I was. Not nervous about it until the day. And then I was like, oh, I've really sidelined the fact that there is going to be a laser cutting open my eye. But it was okay. But from that, I wanted to tell you. In the taxi there, the guy was like, are you going to get an eye checkup? And I was like, no, I'm actually going to get laser eye surgery. He immediately started telling me about his friend who had laser eye surgery and it didn't go well and really rare, rare. And I was like... Oh my God, read the room. What are you doing? Just put heart on and 100% don't talk to me. <laughs> we'll, we'll accept magic at this point. Just put some easy listening on and leave me alone. What did he say? He's like, oh, yeah, my oh my friend got that done. I was like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, he's always complaining about it. He's always really saying he regrets it. Oh my God. I was like, in 20 minutes, someone is going to cut my eye open with a laser please don't tell me this and then the next day the woman who was driving me right it's like 12 hours after my operation right so i've got my sunglasses on and i'm sitting in the back looking like jeff goldblum in the fly yeah i was thinking more like i was looking like um christopher biggins no (laughs) (laughs) i knew if i didn't get my christopher out quick enough (laughs) oh i'm not taking it back you're a piece of shit. Christopher Lloyd in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is more what I was thinking right. of. Sure. I mean, either. Yeah. Either I'll take. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was in the back of the taxi and the window... Oh, God. What do you call it? The window... Operating button. Window button? The window button. Oh, sure. God. <laughs> I thought... Oh, I've not... I can't think of the word. Apparently, there is no word. The window button. <laughs> the window controls were on like child lock or something. So I couldn't couldn't use it. So I said to her, oh, do you mind if I open the window, like either that front window ahead of me or, or this window a little bit? And she opened both of them completely fully. God. And it was super windy. And I was like, I'm scared my eyes are going to blow away. So then I was like, oh, do you mind putting this one up? Look, the long and short of it is, it was like she was fucking with me. <laughs> she was like punishing you for asking. <laughs> Like she was fucking with me every time. I was like, I just need this window that is next to my eyes to be closed. It was it was like a fucking game of whack-a-mole. They were both going up and down. I was like, why don't you just give me the balls? Give me the controls, hey, woman. Give me give me the controls. Give me the window operating button. <laughs> or just like listen to what I'm saying. I was saying, could you just close them? Because it was really fucking. Could you just close them? She just opens a. The other one opens the back one Opens more. the door. But like, now you're, you're just making this up now. Like, what's <laughs> happening? And I think part of the reason why I wanted to get it right was because I haven't been that far into London yeah. for four months. So I was like, if I'm paying £15 for a cab journey, I want to be able to look out the window and see London. And I couldn't. I just sat in the fucking back with my head turned and my eyes closed, like, yeah, no, this is great. Thanks. Great to be back in Soho. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's really weird? I don't think that I'm going to see central London before I have this baby. And then I don't know when I'm going to see it again. Yeah. Which is really weird considering me and you spent every single day working there. That's mad, mate. i tell you what I'll do. I'll... <laughs> I can tell this I'll... is going to be really thoughtful and kind. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd I'd do like an Amelie thing for you. You know, when she (laughs) quite roughly grabs that blind man from the metro station and and is describing everything. Uh uh She's like, oh, there's a dog. There's a kid that's laughing at a dog who's looking at the 
the chickens going around. So what are you gonna, you're just going to call me and walk around and tell me what's happening? There's loads of people. I'm really anxious. I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you would assume that that's what I would be saying, Emily. <laughs> it would probably be really chill. <laughs> But okay, let's go back to your eyes. Can you feel the difference? Apparently I have better than 2020 vision. So what is better than 2020? I don't know. I can see around corners. 35. <laughs> don't, I don't know. I have no idea. It was a good year for eyes. Are you sure he wasn't I, I talking won't. about the year? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We, 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 were you trying to do that year joke again? <laughs> uh, excuse me a minute. Don't laugh silently because on a podcast, it sounds like I'm just waiting for you to laugh. Go on, get your belly involved, please. Oh, God. Stupid oh. cow. <laughs> 2020, everyone. <laughs> 2020 vision. I got 2020 vision. It was the year where we all started seeing a bit more clearly, which should bring us back <laughs> to still legit. This guy. If this is the first one that people have listened to, they're going to have a really false interpretation of how funny I really am. <laughs> Listen, you. Oh, you're such an idiot. So what we can say is Anna's fine, her eyes are fine, she can see the end. All right. I'm fine. How are you? Piss off. <laughs> Bridget Jones's diary, Anna. Yeah. Well, I really did read the books. I mean... And again, because apparently I've got no room in my brain for memories, it, it took ages for this to come back. But I think I read them like over and over. Really? Yeah. And and I think part of the reason why it came back to me was because the four, they do kind of a nod to it in the film. But the way she writes, you know, there's always every diary entry at the top has like calories, cigarettes, and it's kind of like a comedy shorthand. And Lizzie things. Bennett does that? Um, well, Lizzie Bennett doesn't keep a diary, so oh. we don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It, it, I, re- I remember that and I remember thinking like, oh, that's so... Um, it might have been one of the first ways I realised that you can tell a story like that. Like, you know, after, after the breakup, it would be like calories, 9,000, cigarettes can't even count yet wait what's the point that kind of thing and then when she was on her upswings she'd be oh, like hang on a minute are you saying you read the bridget jones books yeah what did you I think i thought you were saying about? you read pride and prejudice like jane austen's books and why? that's why i was like does lizzie bennett do this and i was thinking where how does this relate to jane austen but yes but, i also read the books why would you think when I was saying, oh, I don't think I read it, I didn't read Pride and Prejudice, or maybe I can't remember reading Pride and Prejudice. I've just seen the BBC One adaptation. That really was blowing my mind. I have, re- I confirm, I've read all, I think I read the books, yes. What did you think? I really enjoyed them. I was a lot younger than 30. Yeah. But yes, it was a very fun way of writing, very colloquial. And yeah. uh, I'd not seen a book written like that before no yeah it was kind of I think I'd read Adrian Mole's diaries and stuff like that and so there was some similarities but I think there's something about it as well being young and Mm -hmm. being like oh this is like grown-ups because I think those pressures you I think as a young woman reading it you're already aware of the pressures that and I'll say were not are put on women to settle down have a baby yeah and she's really living kind of in that world, isn't she? Yeah. She's, yeah. That that does make it feel quite dated. I mean, how when did this film come out? Tooth. Oh, you normally know this. I know. When was it? Two years ago. Two thousand and one. When it turns out Emily's thinking of a completely different film. <laughs> uh, Emily's thinking of Independence Day with Will Smith. <laughs> They're so similar. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> Yeah, 2001. Okay. All mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So we're coming out of the 90s. Yes. But the um, books were like mid-90s. Yeah, very much so. So my first thought watching it... Yeah. Very upper middle class, very white. And I thought, fine. It's mm. Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> it was. Uh, it's also the mid-90s, and we've talked about that a lot. 
But it takes, I think it's, I've, I've written it down, I think it's maybe five minutes into the film. I think I know what you're going to say. I think you know what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? Japanese, very cruel race. Very cruel race. Which they say about six times. They keep saying it. They say it throughout the film. Yeah. yeah. And then they make an Auschwitz-based joke, like, a couple of minutes later. She yes. refers to her gay friend as Turtle Puff, of course. And yes. it's all very hard. But I was like, whoa, it really slams of the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. And since there's no one of colour there, all you hear of anyone of colour is Japanese, very cruel race. Yeah, and it's, again, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, 100% you can imagine this older, you know, home countries couple saying yeah. such a thing. But it's all just like, they, well, they just live in, they're living, the whole film, they're living in a white bubble with Cosmos and Wonies and uh-huh. Perpetuas and waltzing into a job in TV and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Mini breaks. And that, you know, that that strata of society does exist. And I mean, I think the reason why it did so phenomenally well, because it really did so well as a book. Yeah, it was a it was a big hit. It was a cultural touchstone, wasn't it? Well, yeah, if you still think now, you big pants are called like Bridget Jones pants. Yeah. Maybe they're not still, but to me they are. No, no, I think you're right. And also there's loads of phrases in that, like, come the fuck on, Bridget. Yes. Everyone of our age will say, come, come the on. fuck on, Emily. Yeah. And it was so, but the, the books really tapped into what women were feeling then. Yes. Women of that age. This thing of like the smug marrieds and the singletons, all of that was coined by Helen Fielding, you know? And it's kind of, it's sort of quite heartening, isn't it? In a way that it doesn't resonate quite as loudly now. Yeah, when we're in our 30s. Yeah. That times have changed. And it's very, very strange to me because it's kind of like it, it documented a re- very real attitude towards women and and a, quite, sometimes quite problematic view of single life still even then, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But that isn't as much there now. And I was like, oh, it's quite nice that I, I feel like, and I know this probably for the end of the podcast, if a film was made like that now, you'd think she'd actually probably be quite happy in singledom. <sighs> yeah, it's tricky though, because I think at the heart of it is the is still the kind of fundamental truth that romantic comedies are being built on today, that women want to find a partner. Yes, yeah. In this one, it, it's there's a lot more on, on about the need, isn't it? Yeah. But even though it's framed differently, I watched something on the plane recently. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was um, Dakota Fanning Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Johnson. Biggins. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dakota Biggins. Dakota Johnson. Is she the one? She's the one that's in Fifty Shades. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, this film with her and Rebel Wilson, and it's it's about this girl who's you know, trying to find love and looking in all the wrong places and everything. And it's it's a it's a new film and it's framed in a very kind of um, right on, like girlfriends and find yourself way. But essentially, it's all still the same ingredients of Bridget Jones' diary. Right. Which right, is, right. why can't I find myself a man? But in finding a man, I find myself. Right. Okay. Yeah. The key to myself is finding love, finding a man. Yeah. And I think now we might have the ending, like you say, where they end up single. Yes, that's the point. It's the, where they end. It's where they end up. Yeah. It's probably yeah. different now. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. But you're right. Yeah. You, so you're right, definitely about that. But I think it's still kind of promising. Well, now she's worked on herself and she's okay with being alone. So now she'll find a guy when she does. You know. Yeah. Maybe I'm being cynical. <laughs> it's been known to happen maybe I'm <laughs> well another thing in the film as well I don't know whether it was a thing with film of the 90s or whether it's just with Bridget Jones or maybe it's just because we're so uh, awake to it now is how many times she is ogled and touched and felt yeah. up and it's never it's never never sees any redemption it's just part of life of being a woman which I feel like at the time we'd be like oh that's so true or women in their 30s would be like, oh, that's so true. And now I'm infuriated that it's a scene in a film that a guy doesn't get a punch in the face. I think that's the interesting thing about the film. It, maybe we narrow it down into this space. Okay. The relationship between Bridget and Daniel Cleaver... Yeah. ...that starts at work 
from the very, oh very God. first interaction, I'm like, someone call HR. Somebody call HR right now. Because this man... She even says, I've got to call HR on you. And I'm like, you need... Yes, In you a flirty do. way, yeah. Because he immediately emails her, "What you know, what's wrong with your skirt? Is your skirt off sick? And like, it's so sure. I mean, the thing is... It's top to bottom, just so inappropriate across the board. And yet we're meant to, and actually as I was watching it, I was like, oh, God damn it. I simultaneously hate Daniel Cleaver. And also I feel his power over me. Ugh. Yeah. And I'm horrified by it, obviously. But I'm like, this is what, as a woman growing up in Britain. Yeah. This is what I've been sold. Hugh fucking Grant. Posh boy kind of like, oh, fuck it all to hell, Bridge. I don't care. Like, I'm... P.S. Your tits look great in that top. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, why am I falling for this fucking lad bullshit? Yeah, why is it that I know that if I was her, I'd sleep with you as well? Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) Daniel? Oh, no. Why, Anna? Why? And then on the other side of it, the thing that they're offering is Colin Firth, who is almost catatonic at certain points in the film. My God, dry does not even cover it. He seems like he's got post-traumatic stress (laughs) disorder and we don't know what he's been through, but he is not there. Just a little something behind the eyes, Colin. And actually, it's so interesting. This has just occurred to me now that the, the brilliance of casting him as Mark Darcy, because in the books, Bridget Jones' diary... Not, not Anne Frank's diary or Pride Prejudice. Um, he actually did play the, Mr. Darcy, though, in Pride Prejudice, didn't he? Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh. In Bridget Jones' diary, he, uh, all the girls are obsessed with the BBC One adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Really? Yeah. They're obsessed with him as Darcy. Right. They, they're obsessed with Colin Firth. And they got him to play it. And they got him to play Darcy. That's fucking awesome. I never, I did not put that together. That's very good. That's good, right? Yeah. And it's, so that's the, that's their ideal that they're kind of. Something has just occurred to me on that note as well. I'm saying, oh, if a film got made now, she'd be happy in a singledom or she'd end up somewhere else. Actually, in the book, Pride and Prejudice, not Bridget Jones's Diary, in -hmm. the book of that, Lizzie is very happy like she's more secure than Bridget Jones, if you know what I mean. Yes, that's such she a She is point. not looking for love. She's like, I don't want that guy. I don't want that guy. In actual fact, it's Bridget Jones is more like Jane, her sister. Yeah, exactly. Because she puts up with a lot. You're absolutely right. Um, and, and weirdly, taking that element out, which was such a big part of the books, taking their obsession with Pride and Prejudice out, of the film because obviously then it would become really (laughs) self-referential having Colin Firth in it and stuff does take away the fact of there's almost a bit of like what would Lizzie do you know not only is Darcy being put up as the ideal man that also Bridget and her friends are maybe aspiring to be as sort of Mm strong-willed and clear-headed as Lizzie Bennet yeah there is a bit of that. But yeah, I have to say, I really did get emotional at um, I like you just as you are. Yeah. Some words just really ring. It's such a clever, nuanced, tiny line that could be throwaway. And it's absolutely so beautifully done. Every every time like one of the friends says it, you know, it's kind of referred to at the dinner party and things like that. And by Bridget herself. That is such... Oh, God, it really got me. Mm -hmm. Because at the start, when it's all the work stuff and, like, the gross guy at Sit Up Britain, her being groped by her uncle, and also her sort of in various moments just being an absolute (laughs) (laughs) twat. Just being straight up dickhead. Just like, oh, someone stop her talking quickly. But she is, you know, she's still pretty adorable. But yeah, that whole like, I like you just as you are, is a real fundamental thing within within the film because everyone is trying to make Bridget change. Yeah. And be what they think Bridget should be. Except her friends. Yeah. And him, old, old dry. <laughs> old Mr. Drycy. Oh my God, so dry. I just, <laughs> such a weird directorial choice. 
It's like <laughs> they took some of the footage from just before they said action because they're like, we just want eight <laughs> seconds of him blankly staring, just trying to th- just trying to remember his lines and remember his blocking and be like, okay, so then I go through and they go go to the turkey curry buffet, and they've just kept all of that in. And it's like, is he okay? <laughs> I just feel a little bit like if uh, my friend had been fucked over by a Daniel Cleaver esque character, and then they mm-hmm. were like, oh, but this other guy's interested me, and I think. I think I like him too. I'd be like, babe, no, you like him because he likes you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't like him. You do, yeah, there's nothing right. to him. He's so yeah. bland. I'd be that friend that was like, babe, I'd ruin Bridget Jones's diary. I'd ruin the yeah. story. <laughs> End <laughs> the film there. No, 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 no. He's just paid an interest in you and you're vulnerable at the moment. Let's go on holiday. Yeah, that's so true. But he doesn't give any signals. And also, I think it's a real showcase of the way Brits deal with things because Natasha, who is brilliantly played, actually, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm not trying to go for a girl who's hating on girls, but that woman's got a lot of insecurities. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I just thought, like, in another country, in another country, he would have gone, that's not my girlfriend. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh, Natasha. No, we work together. That's not my girlfriend. What? Speak. Speak. What's wrong with you guys? Your words, Colin. Use your words, Colin, for God's sake. (laughs) You know, um, so that iconic scene where she's singing all by myself on the sofa. Mm, Yeah. And it really is an iconic scene. My question, only because I've got an answer to this question, was there ever a film, and I'm talking about when we were younger, was there ever, not a film, sorry, a song. Was there ever a song that made you like, oh, every word in this is written for me? Oh, yeah. And if so, can you remember what it was? Oh, God. Oh, what an... What a brilliant and embarrassing question. Yes. I have to know. Because mine is so embarrassing too, but I'm willing to share. Um, I mean, I get that a lot with songs because I'm always just like, wow. You're speaking to my heart. Yeah. There's um, a Peggy Sue album that I listened to a lot after a certain breakup. And it was uncanny. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, the longest day of the year was when we broke up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a song about why did you have to leave me on the longest day of the year? And I was like, Ooh, these girls, they're in my, they're in my brain. They know me But, um, yeah, I don't know, loads, but I mean, the first thing I thought of was like, probably a whole bunch of angsty Skunk and Nancy songs. Oh, that's so cool. No, they're really, I mean, they're very angsty. (laughs) Just because it feels good. It's so emo. Fucking, no, that (laughs) makes me think, I'm I'm just glad that we both liked Skunk and Nancy when we were younger. Fucking love skin. I you, love you, skin. Did you see her on that program? There was a program where loads of celebrities dressed up in lots of costumes and <gasps> the judges had to guess who they were. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Skin was on that, are you sure? Skin was on that dressed as a duck, motherfucker. No, I don't like and it. And I did Khalees was it. on that as well. Who? Khalees. Khalees. Guys. With Patsy Palmer. Fuck it. And, and like Ian Beale or something. <laughs> Yes, like, why is this happening? The greatest skin, the greatest singer, or something like that. Yeah, the great, yeah, the, something like that. Surreal. The minute the duck sang, I was like, "Well, that's skin from Skunk and Nancy." That's oh, so, I what, didn't why? see the duck sing, and it didn't make sense because the judges, even if they guessed who it was, that didn't change anything. I <laughs> the, know it it's really weird. Anyway, mine, the one that <gasps> made it made me first think of, which is my most embarrassing one. I'm sure there was a load of no doubt you and me. Oh, that God, of, yeah, yeah. But the oh. one it made me think of was, <laughs> I God, went to see this. Adele. And this oh. is after, just after uni. This or is way cooler than I thought uni, it was going to be. I'd been completely heartbroken. I may or may not have been under the influence of things I may should not have been under the influence of at an Adele concert. You'd had a sherry, yeah. I'd had a sherry, as it were. <laughs> She'd had a sherry, yeah. I'd had a sherry. And... Uh, <laughs> A sherry that you would normally take when you're going to see probably drum and bass. <laughs> a little schooner. <laughs> and she sang Someone Like You. And I oh sang God. along very loudly and was crying so much <gasps> oh. that the girls in front of me at the end of the song turned around and applauded me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably with high amounts of sarcasm and will this girl shut up. But I, at the time, was like, thank you. Oh, my God. 
as in like wow she's really working through some shit stunning stunning stuff oh, oh Adele. my god it was really bad but it was an all by myself moment like i was giving it fucking everything but literally yeah. in an arena oh my god i love that off my face on alcohol that was legally consumed obviously i want to you're recording this Never mind, My God. Suck it up, woman. The one sadness that I have that I don't have an amazing singing voice is that I can't sing along full tilt to all by myself moments. You bloody can. No, no, I know I can, but I in my head I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't sing. sing along <laughs> great i've ruined my own sing along yeah sometimes oh. i'll be in the car and i'll just be singing along to a radio song and try and harmonize and completely muller it <laughs> and then it's like i'm trying to style it out from myself that i'll just then sing off key for the rest of that verse so <laughs> like i meant to you know <laughs> oh god yeah. So, yeah, I just, it made me think of that. I was like, oh my God, yeah, the songs that used to speak to you and you're like, oh yeah, everything. Well, you know, in that moment, which is kind of leads us onto a bit of a montage moment, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, she loves a montage. I do like a but, montage. Um, she is throwing out her old self-help books yeah. and replacing them with new self-help books. And yeah. again, that was super present in the books. Bridget and her friends, they're all trying to figure their shit out. They're really, really, they're on a journey of self-discovery. And her friends. Yeah, like all like Shaz and stuff like that. They're, they're like, oh, I've read this book. And oh, it I says, see. do this. Yeah, they're all trying to improve. Yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, I tried this diet. And they're, they're all really trying. I think that's what's so, that's where you connect with it, you know? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Do you remember when this film came out, how so much of the focus was on her putting weight on for the role? Yes, so much of it. I'd forgotten, but now you say, I mean, she's not big. No, she's not big. I mean, compared to her normal skeletal size. Yeah. She's like markedly bigger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but for that much focus to be put on for someone putting on weight for a role. And also it was mentioned a lot in the reviews. Yeah. But she does do a pretty good job as far as the the accent. It really annoys me when she says super, super, super. Yeah, but some fucking people say super. Some people do. When I was listening to that Matt Lucas interview that we were listening, we listened to for the Little Britain episode, he kept saying, and I don't have an issue. I don't have an issue. Oh, I don't like it. It makes me feel sick. I don't like it. Tissue. Anyway, see what bothers me when she says is, oi. No one says oi like that. The director should have told. Oi. Oi. No, it's... (laughs) It's a single sharp noise. Oi. That's how it's written. That's how it needs to be delivered. Can't say I noticed the oi. But there were, yeah. I think she does a great job. She does it brilliantly. Mm. And she's very vulnerable. And you can see her actual face, which is lovely. Yeah. And they do a good job of her generally with like, she's not wearing shitloads of makeup. Her hair is like very there. Do you know what I mean? It's not quaffed. I think we should start a campaign against tonging in romantic comedies. Why does every woman across the board ever on TV always have to have their hair tonged? Oh, sorry, her husband just died in a horrific car accident, but she's managed to tong her hair. Better tong her hair. What else would she be doing with her grief? (laughs) I don't understand it. No, her hair is just down. I mean, some of her outfits are fun. But I'm like, yeah, that's it. She's she's not Natasha. Natasha yeah. is perfect in every way and tiny, tiny, skinny. But there is that thing about the weight. And Daniel, I thought you said she was thin. That's such a fucking... Yeah. Also, when did they get engaged? Was they Were they in an open relationship? So she comes back from a weekend that they've been on together, catches him 
essentially cheating on her with mm. a woman who's just flown in from America. And then later she realises, oh, you didn't just meet her. And then he says, we're engaged. And I'm thinking, what is the time scale of this other relationship? What's happening here? And this other woman obviously didn't mind either. Yeah, well, I, I actually do think Daniel Cleaver is a really good representation of that. I mean, I'm sorry to be buzzwordy, but like of that toxic male thing where... Yeah. And, and you do, you, you end up sort of like pitying him at the end because you're like he just doesn't know who he is you know he's he's obviously public school boy and he's like I define myself by being with women he's kind of where Bridget started at the end tell me more I feel like when she gets to the end and she's been on her journey and she's like I just don't know if what you're offering is enough for me whereas it would be at the start yeah she doesn't find herself until someone loves her just for who she is she doesn't realize her worth until yeah. someone else loves her. And I feel like at the end of the film, he's still in that world that she was in at the start, if you know what I mean. That's where she started. Yeah. If I can't make it work with you, I can't make it work with anyone. Yes. But I think there's a slight, there's a slight difference, or in my mind there is. He has the power yeah. in their relationship. Like, you don't ever see her being with someone no. where she has the power until the thing comes with Mark and then they're both kind mm-hmm. of in this little kind of dance of will they, won't they? Daniel sold her on a lie, basically, didn't there he? There is that. You know, because he, for his insecurity, he needs to have more than one woman on the go making him feel like he's worthy yeah. as a man. That comes through partners and stuff. Do you know what? It's the same reason why a guy would sleep with his best friend's wife the mm-hmm. day of their wedding or whatever the fuck. It is because that's being like insecure in the fact that this person, my friend, loves me for who I am, where I know where I can really feel like I'm wanted and needed is yeah. through sex. I'll just as well tell you the joy of watching it with someone who completely doesn't realise that Daniel Cleaver has sold her on a lie. So someone who takes the twist. <laughs> That was Shit, so amazing. The Mr. Wickham twist. Yeah. So joyous. I mean, I feel like even if I hadn't watched the film, I'd, you'd have figured it out. Oh, that's great. It was great. really nice. That's lovely. Like watching it with a kid. Was he, was he like, no. <laughs> so he didn't sleep that's with his so wife. Good. He slept with, but he said, oh. Oh, that's nice. It was very nice. Oh, it was very, yeah. very lovely. Also, Anna, what is it with these films that we are choosing? Mm. Big old theme. And the theme ain't that the director likes a montage, Anna. The theme is that everybody turns up at everybody's house <laughs> without knowing their address. How do films get away with this so often? I was really hoping that that would come up because these are my favourite <laughs> favorite things that bother you. When you're like, oh, he's just at your house, is he? But how could they hear her? Has that happened? Oh, everyone's there. Everyone's here now. He probably probably got her address from Una Alconbury or from Borough Market Committee because how does she live? Like, literally, her flat is in Borough Market. It's fucking insane. I just feel like you have to jump through so many hoops when you're writing and explain so much stuff and then these big films get made. Everybody can have phone calls in the club and everybody can turn up at everybody's house. It's okay. Just without knowing where they live. And we just have to join the dots and accept it. Well, I actually read a script writing book years ago William Goldman wrote it and he's trying to explain this situation so he writes a scene his argument is people are always saying why do people whenever they pull up at the courthouse they always have the exact change to give to the taxi driver and so he writes a scene where Mel Gibson puts his hand in his wallet thrusts the money at the guy I think I was like oh excuse me sir this is a two dollars it's a twenty four dollar fare gives him another one this is a hundred dollar bill I don't have change for this <laughs> meanwhile the people that he's trying to burst in on for the case are just like all walking out being led off to prison he's like oh fuck it's the kind of film I want realism <laughs> we should we should write that where he's like I'm gonna come to you and then you just see him at a bus stop being like when is the 67 gonna come it's meant to be here four minutes ago cancelled shit I'm on the wrong side of the road I'm on the wrong side of the road fuck it I'll get an uber 1.4 surge we could change this podcast and what happens is whenever something like that happens I'm allowed to take the film where it actually would have gone yeah okay okay in fact we should make we, we should start doing a segment of that every time because my thing is every single time Mark went you know they'd go I hope he's good enough for our little Bridget and he'd go I can confidently say absolutely not he would then say because he slept with my wife and then everything would be gravy by the way Natasha is a (laughs) work colleague and then that film would be shorter than this podcast (laughs) 
so we'll we'll have to do like Anna and Emily's yeah, hot take exactly. of the film in the next episodes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So I wanted to um the mum. The mum. Th- this is important because it's the biggest kind of B plot, right? Yes. Bridget's mum very early on leaves her dad and basically starts sort of starts a career QVC career exactly and starts a relationship with the QVC guy and eventually she comes back and they're reunited uh-huh. i thought it was really nice to see an older woman with a really strong romantic storyline that is actually quite empowering yeah. You know, she finds herself going back to her original partner, but she's she lays down the situation in a quite neat way that I think would, would probably resonate with a lot of people who've been married for a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, what's lovely about that is it just shows that how non-black and white things are in relationships. And yeah. you can look at it as, that oh, she goes off on this extra- extravagant affair and then comes back to her husband. But it's not played like that. I don't think it's intended to be taken that way. No. When you've been with someone for that long and those things are missing. Like, yeah, it was really, you know, it's funny, yeah. but it was really heartening. I agree. And it's kind of done in such a sort of Middle England way, kind of all very gentle way. Like all of our friends have had him round to dinner and that kind of thing she comes back and she she does say you used to be crazy about me mm-hmm. and now you and Bridget are in your own little grown up club and you have your own little world and I'm not included and it's a really nice thing because obviously the whole theme of the of the film is like being loved for exactly who you are yeah. but in that scenario she's being taken for granted even though they love each other you know I just wish they'd communicated a bit more and then none of that needed to happen well I think that they yeah I think that they will now right yeah they're the real love story it's actually really sweet it's really sweet especially that that scene where they do reunite yeah. and his just forgiveness I'm like okay because in the back of my head I am a bit like she has just been sleeping with a very orange man for a long time <laughs> But <laughs> close up, he was almost purple. But their reunion is so sweet and so endearing, and I'm really glad it was in the film. And it's interesting as well that Bridget is watching from the stairs like yeah. a child. Yeah. Because it's all but it's all kind of leading back into that thing of like relationships are not perfect. Like that's what there is think. no fairy yeah. tale love story. You just have to find someone. And it really all of it boils down into that. I really think you should reconsider the length of your sideburns. You're very cold. <laughs> All of this stuff, it's like all of those things come in the package with love. Yeah. You don't find the guy with the perfect length of sideburns who doesn't make a fool of himself at parties and so on and so on. You find someone with all of those fucking flaws and then you kind of keep on trucking, you know? Yeah, exactly. I want to watch number two now. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe we should. I mean, just Mm. for lols. Just for lols. Just really quickly, there's a lot of iconic moments in the film. There are very many. But I really love the smug married dinner because it's it's like a talking heads... God, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. TikTok, TikTok. And you're the ambassador for all single women. Exactly. And just that feeling when you're the only single one in the group of everyone being very like, why don't you just get married? Why don't you, or you know, why don't you find someone? beautiful. Why are you single? Yes. (laughs) Something that I never heard, actually. Oh. (laughs) Baby, if you were single right now, I'd say it to you right now. Would you? Baby, thank you. I'm not hearing it from you, but but that's okay. That's, no, that's, no, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Anna mm. you're so beautiful you deserve no one but me <laughs> you're welcome and my answer is yes okay. yes <laughs> first guys beautiful um, yeah the other <laughs> oh I'm just looking at my notes Colin Firth's hair at the end is so just for men is so like coiffed and hennered it's like this big <laughs> fucking biff. Like, He's Mr. Fuck? Darcy. But the fight. The fight's really is, funny. The fight is really funny and it's it does a lot of work. Who are these fucking waiters? I know. <laughs> Who are these waiters that come out to jeer on the fight? You can just hear the director being like, we need more people, so we're going to build in a restaurant. We're going to take all the staff out of that restaurant. <laughs> then we're going to go into the restaurant. Fight. It's a real fight. I really liked it. As I was watching it, I was thinking about if that happened. Like, that happens outside her flat. First of all, the closest restaurant to me is Sam's Chicken, the end of the road. I got a Morley's. You got a Morley's. Where's the Morley's near you? It's on the main road. Oh, God. I can't believe I went to your house the other day and didn't get Morley's. (laughs) Didn't get some South London chicken. But, so end of my road is Sam's Chicken, not a beautiful Greek trattoria. Yeah. So if that scenario happened in my life, 
and you know two men were fighting over me which it happens it can happen it would uh, come out of my house then it would end up in front of Sam's chicken I'm just saying if I was a director having yeah. to direct from my yeah. point of view and then they would start fighting yeah. and then my gay best friend would throw open the doors to Sam's chicken Sam's chicken and go fight it's a real fight and probably a whole load of people would pull out some actual weapons and beat him and up and <laughs> the police would be fucking swarming the place and shots would be fired I mean you'd end up at a block party <laughs> yeah yeah that is not how if in Halston if someone says fight you don't go running and be like oh how exciting two public school boys pulling each other's jumpers off you're like oh she's about to go down yeah yeah where I live I'd say fight it's a real fight and someone would throw like some rubbish at me <laughs> <laughs> I go back inside. It's very privileged, a very white privileged scenario that is yeah. happening in that fight. Yeah. Where it's two public school boys and it's all a bit of harmless fun, really, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of a jewel. No really. I mean, they do go through a window, Anna. They do. And I'm like, I. So who's paying for that window? Yeah, that's a very expensive window. <laughs> that's what, that's the joy of the two people fighting being public school boys. Yeah. You know that they can afford to pay for the damage. Yeah. In fact, there's one bit where Mark Darcy slams into someone's table and is like, I'm so sorry, I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay. pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Very good. Emily, Anna. is Bridget Jones' diary still legit? Uh, elements of it are still legit. They are. My instinct is to say no. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think we, we sort of enjoyed and was nostalgic about the film. So we, we've talked... A lot about some fun stuff, but not about some of the misogynist and That's very, very white centric kind yes. of. And that the, that it's perpetuating the message that uh, we need love to be, we need love from a man to be happy, that someone else has to fi- find value in us to find the value in ourselves. The emphasis on weight loss to be happy is a problem, I think. Uh, but she doesn't lose weight. She does. She does lose weight. There's a big montage where she goes to the gym and feels happy and she's writing in her diary that she's smoking less cigarettes, that she's eating less calories and then Mm. you see a montage of her at the gym and... She's on the, yeah, the cycling thing, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in the next one she's feeling feeling good about it. But she doesn't look, I mean... She doesn't look any different, but that's because she'd worked so hard to put on weight for the film that they couldn't possibly have a lose any. I don't... I didn't watch it like that and that's maybe by the by but I see it as like she's like I'm doing me for me I'm going I'm getting on that cycling because I'm gonna feel good about myself like yeah I'm gonna exercise whereas she's throwing you know she's throwing away the self-help books about needing a man and she's putting it up because yeah I, I think I have a slightly different viewpoint than you how dare you? You're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just in terms of, I think it's not so much about now that someone loves me for who I am, I can love myself. It's through the realisation that you can be loved just as you are. Yeah. She learns to love herself just as she is, which yeah. is why I think she turns down Daniel. Yeah. No, no, I don't need to settle. I love myself for who I am. But, yeah. but I don't know if that justifies, if the ends justify the means there. I just feel like we see her suffering in singledom so much. And that to me is a, that to me is a problem. Like if it was remade mm. today. The film is still legit. We've watched a lot less legit things. But I can't bring myself to say yes, I just can't do it. Yes. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's um, also, he reads her diary violation and and then goes and buys her another one it's like she's obviously off to fucking do some last minute epilation and put some fancy you did just walk out mate you did just leave (laughs) but the bit of the scene where he puts his coat Mm. round her when they're kissing i was like that's lovely i really like that but Yeah. yeah you did just leave you just did leave the flat you stormed out but let's fast forward the scenario to like two years in and he suddenly thinks like oh Bridget might like a puppy because she says oh it'd be so nice to have a dog <laughs> in the middle of dinner when she's turned around to get the bottle of Merlot <laughs> he's got <laughs> the top 
This is why we need that segment, babe. And she's like, off we go. Mark, the door's open. Snow's blowing in. He's like, oh, fuck. I guess I'm just going to go running after him. He's brilliant. No, I just drove to Patsy Docks. Because <laughs> I thought it's time for a new start. What do you reckon? As she like looks around the kennels with him completely naked. <laughs> just wearing her apron. <laughs> Sorry that I pictured her in an apron making like dinner. That was really 50. No, but, but also he's just about, they're just about to have sex. I know. Now's not the time to go and buy the diary. What do you think's going to happen? That's a power play. Not yeah. legit. Not legit, not legit. <laughs> Bridget Jones, just, not legit. I just, I think as well, just the front end of the film, like she has to fucking quit her job because she's had a, an affair with her boss and she gets the job by going, I have to leave because I fucked my boss. And he goes, just so you know, no one gets fired for doing that around here. It's just so gross also, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there's not there's legit. The whole thing. It's incredibly white. It, it's, but in its slight defense of that i would say it is very much an examination examination of the upper middle classes which is of the home counties which is so so white anyway they're like yeah, they all live in villages she lives in london yeah that's true there's one gay character um who is referred to as a puff twice there they keep saying puff the uncle is definitely pedophile yep like straight uncle up, Jeffrey. not even a pervy uncle. The guy is a fucking pedo. He's a which, pedo. Uh, hey, we can't get through a film without bringing up. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't kiss, huh? <laughs> oh, God. We'd have had a whole podcast on it. So I, I'm saying I'm saying not legit. It's lovely, heartwarming. Enjoyed watching it. Not legit. I think read the books. I, yeah. I think the books still, because the books explore all of those things and you're aware of of who's a goodie and a baddie much more yeah. clearly, I think. No, that's not very well thought out, but I do think that the books have more to them. And you yeah. can see that Bridget is like struggling and messing up and getting yeah. things wrong. It's harder to do that in the film. She has to have an arc, a clear arc. Yeah. Saying that, I'd still like to watch number two soon for lols. So Yeah, that's true. Hey, so we can examine things. Doesn't mean we have to live by our own rules, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We'll look at it with a very critical eye, I'm sure. I am sure. So that's it. Bridget Jones, off the table, but we're still going to watch it. So <laughs> It's just under the table in the DVD pile. Under the table. Under the table. So, Emily, what are we going to yeah. do next week? Next week, we're doing a film that I've had a craving to watch for ages. It's The Matrix. Yes! Numero uno of The Matrix. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I... I'm really excited because I feel like it's one of those films that I can still quote along. Yeah, it's a film that I've watched so many times, but probably mm. have only seen the beginning once. Really? It's the sort of thing you're flicking through, right? And you're like, oh, it's on ITV. Yeah, I'll just I watch watched it, from it here. so many times when I was younger, but I haven't watched it in years. In years. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I can't wait. Okay. Can't wait to watch great. The Matrix. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate and review it. It helps us. And you can email us at isitstilllegit at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. But in the meantime, get the Matrix on cue. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>